glory to the name of Jesus. He reigns forever and evermore. Oh, hail King Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. shall reign with him. Hallelujah. Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 12. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. You reign forever. Evermore. Yes. Yeah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, beginning at verse number 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and, and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength 
and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. I want to talk about the birth of Christ, getting the real picture. Getting the real picture. You probably never read this and thought about the birth of Christ. But getting the real picture. Pray as we prepare to go into the word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today and for what your word will accomplish in our lives. Now, Lord, grant me a fresh anointing of your spirit that I may preach under your anointing. Give me clarity of thought. Give me clarity of speech that I might think clearly, communicate clearly the word that you placed in my spirit for today, for your people. Bless us now. We need your word. Your word is spirit, and your word is life. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The birth of Christ, getting the real picture. I, I, I pray that, that the message today will speak to our hearts and that we, will, that we will learn something, yes, but it will challenge us to appreciate what God was doing for us in Christ Jesus and to be more aware of the warfare that we are engaged in in the world that we live in. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if we're not live today, we'll be live on Tuesday morning. Amen. So I want y'all to join me at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning on Facebook Live. Amen. You ready? We're good? All right. The birth of Christ, getting the real picture. So in, in, in the modern day version of the birth of Christ, uh, we tend not to focus on the details of the spiritual battle uh, that surrounded his birth. You know, when you think about, and I say modern day, I, maybe I shouldn't just say modern day, but what, what has been communicated even through the scriptures and the things of the scripture that we focus on as it relates to the birth of Christ. Because generally, uh, you know, as we focus on this virgin birth, and the virgin birth is critical, the virgin birth is critical to our faith, all right? It's critical to the truth of the scripture, and I, I want to just say a little bit about that before I go further into the message, but when you look at the virgin birth, it fulfills prophecy, all right? Isaiah 7 and 14, it prophesied that a virgin would, would be with child and, and that the, birth, the virgin would, would give birth to this child, who, and we, we've, we've, we've read that scripture, um, his name shall be called Wonderful, 
Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. You know, we read that scripture, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. We read that prophecy, which is a prophecy about the Christ, but it, it starts out talking about the virgin that shall that shall conceive and that shall give birth. And we know that a virgin is a, is a woman who's never uh, had sexual relations with a man. That was quite important for the Christ child. Another reason for the virgin birth uh, is that having a biological father uh, would have annulled Jesus' deity, all right? Uh, he could not have been the son of Joseph and the son of God at the same time. Because every person that's born of a man, of another person, of the seed of a man, uh, we have a sin nature, okay? We've had, we have inherited Adam's sin nature, okay? It was only as God that Jesus could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Uh, so it, it, it was by the Holy Spirit that Mary conceived uh, seed and conceived Jesus to be born. Then the virgin birth is also a picture of our role uh, in salvation acceptance. Joseph didn't have any part whatsoever in the conception of Jesus Christ. Mary, her role was passive. She merely accepted God's gift. You read that in, in, um, in, in the book of, uh, of Luke. You read when Mary said, whatever you say, let it be done unto me, Lord. Okay? Um, and Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says that the work of salvation is done by God alone. All right? So no human being had any part in bringing about our salvation. Okay? Holiness nor salvation could be brought about by any effort of man. This is all God's doing. So the virgin birth is critical to our faith. It's critical uh, 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 to, the, to the truth of the Scripture. It was prophesied. It's Bible doctrine. It's important that we understand that. And then the events that are surrounding the birth of Christ, we need to see those things clearly, okay? The shepherds and the stars and the angels they're all important. The manger scene is heartwarming, okay? And it has its own message for downtrodden and fake forsaken humanity. But there is a more powerful and a more vital part of the events that surround the birth of Christ that the Bible lays out to us that we need to understand. These events speak they speak powerfully to the believer in every generation because they speak of spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare that has gone on and the spiritual warfare that continues to go on today. Sometimes you wonder why you go through so much in your life. Spiritual warfare. Sometimes you wonder about the attacks of the enemy on your life. Spiritual warfare. It didn't start when you were born. It's been going on ever since Satan was in heaven. And when he wanted to, he wanted the throne of God. God had to kick him out of heaven. This scripture here speaks to that, all right? But it also speaks to the other events that surround 
the birth of our Savior. And if we're not careful, we will miss this message. We will focus so much on the Christmas tree and the Christmas lights and getting gifts and, and having parties that we will miss the real message of this, of, of what the season is about. When people say, when people say keep Christ in Christmas, sometimes I wonder what do they really mean. I wonder what do they really mean. I wonder if they really understand what they're really saying when they say keep Christ in Christmas. All of us should know by now that December 21st, 25th is not the birthday of Jesus Christ. It's the day that the church father set aside to celebrate his birth. All right? But it's more than just the birth of the Savior that we need to see and that we need to understand. Matthew gives us a little bit of indication if we, paid, if we read closely and, and, and paid attention to what Matthew says, if you're in your Bible, turn to chapter 2. And, 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 and I'm going to share some things with you this morning. Matthew chapter 2, and then I'm coming back to Revelation, all right? In Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says the, the wise men, after Jesus was born, in, in Bethlehem, Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Herod is important. He's mentioned here, all right? Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. All Jerusalem with him, all right? And so he gathered the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, to inquire where the Christ child should be born. And they told him. Okay? And then he determined, verse 7 says, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the, the star appeared, and he sent them to Jerusalem to say, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. But it wasn't his intent, his intent to worship the Savior. Not at all. When you go over to verse 16, after the wise men had departed another way, they knew his, his scheme and his plot. Verse 16 says, Then Herod, when he saw that, that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Matthew gives us a clue, gives us an indication of the warfare that surrounded Jesus' birth. If we miss that, we miss something really significant. Jesus was not just born to be our Savior without there being some conflict, without there being some, some attempt for Satan, by Satan, to oppose what God was doing. So, you know, when you read the Scriptures, and, and you begin to understand the scriptures, you begin to see 
you know, things that happened in the Old Testament. I was reading something just the other day, and I said, "Uh uh-huh, this is what Satan was doing. He was opposing, trying to stop what God was doing in Christ, not only to save the Jews, but to bring about the salvation of the Gentiles in this world, which meant that Satan was trying to stop you from being saved. He was trying to stop God's plan. He was trying to stop the effort, the the, the move of God that God had put in forth. Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is God's plan from the foundation of the world so that you and I might be saved. Revelation says, Revelation makes it more vivid. Go back to chapter 12 in Revelation. In the book of Revelation, it makes this this, 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 this image more vivid. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon, clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. Now the woman here speaks about the people of God. It's the Jews, yes, but it's also the covenant community. Who's the covenant community? We're the covenant community. So we're included in this image of the woman. With the sun, the radiance of God about her head, the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. All right, I'm not going to explain all of this because I want to get to some of the meat, but it's speaking of the church, and it's speaking of, uh, it's speaking of the Jews, and it's speaking of the church. It's speaking of those Jews that will be saved, those Jews that will believe in Jesus. God, in doing a new thing in Christ, did not cast out the Jews. He didn't. Are y'all still here? But he included us in his plan of salvation, which was his intent from the beginning. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. Uh, so so when, you, when you think of Christmas today, you don't think of a fiery red dragon. Because most of the time we think dragons are in mythology. But the Bible is not myth. This is an image of Satan. Because historically, historically there are nations that this represents. But spiritually, this represents Satan. Okay? I'll explain more about that later on in Bible study. But spiritually, this represents Satan. His tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Speaking of Satan, Satan, as he was deposed from heaven, took a part of the angels with him. And the dragon stood before the woman who was, and this is the image I want to to get you to see. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour, devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child. In my Bible, child is capitalized. So it's not just speaking of any ordinary child. So what Satan intended to do was to kill Jesus as soon as he was born. Do you see the connection with Matthew? 
Now, 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 this, 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 this just speaks some things to us now. And I guess I'll mention that in just a few minutes as the Lord leads me. And prayerfully, I won't skip over it. If I do, remind me that I said I was going to say something about the seed, this male child. As soon as the child was born, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So in this image of the events that are surrounding the birth of Christ, you see God's plan of salvation in action. You see God preparing to save his people. You see Jesus coming forth from the Hebrew people. He is a Jew. But he comes to save all nations. Satan wants to kill him immediately. But God takes him up into heaven. Now, this, this switches you. Now, now, when you read Revelation, remember it's imagery. It's, 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 it's imagery. And it, it's not giving you chronological order of things, but it's speaking prophetically. So when is Jesus caught up into heaven? He's caught up into heaven after he's crucified and raised from the dead. Satan then wants to destroy the woman. The woman, the Jews, and the covenant community. Who is the, who is the covenant community? We are. Satan wants to destroy us. First to a lot of people in the church. Gays in spiritual warfare, but I don't think it makes a difference to a lot of people in the church. But we're engaged in spiritual warfare. Satan wants to destroy us. God has provided a place for our protection. He says a woman fled into the wilderness. The wilderness could not protect. The world can't protect the church. The wilderness represents the world. If you look at the world, the world fights against the church. Just look at the things that said on television. Look at the things that said just the other day. There was a, there was a, uh, on, on the news, in a town not far from here, there are two men that are on the street preaching. And they're put in jail for preaching on the street. Because in America, quote unquote, we're too intelligent. We don't need evangelism on the street. We don't need people preaching about hellfire and brimstone on the street. What the man said was the truth. If he's preaching about adultery, if he's preaching about fornication, if he's preaching about addiction, that is the truth. If people don't come inside of the sanctuary to hear it, we're to take it to the street. And we're to preach the gospel, saints. We're to warn people. We're to cry loud and spare not. But in America, we are too intelligent. We are too sophisticated to have people on the street preaching at us. We're wrong in our teaching. We're wrong in our doctrine. We're wrong in what we believe. The world hates the church and the world cannot protect the church. But God has provided a protection for his body. Amen. 
no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that arises against us in judgment, we shall condemn. But this is our righteousness and our heritage is of God. This is our heritage and our righteousness is of God. So you kill one saint, God will raise up another one. You stop one body of believers, God will raise up another one. You persecute your church over here, God will raise up believers over there. Amen. Amen. When you look at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, ever since the inception of the church, the church has been persecuted, but the church has never been destroyed. Amen. Amen. So we need to get this real picture in our minds. We need to have in our minds that, that, that this Christmas event is not just about us having a wonderful celebration and giving gifts and putting up Christmas trees and singing Christmas carols. This is warfare. Warfare. This time of year should remind us of the warfare that we're engaged in. How many people in here are going through things in your life? How many people in here have experienced some attacks of the enemy? Tell the truth and shame the devil. Just, just be honest. You've heard me say this over and over again. The war is really between Satan and God. Satan hates God, but you and I are created in the image and likeness of God. So he's going to attack us. He's going to come after us. So, you know, as much as we celebrate Christmas, we've got to get back to the real understanding of what this image of Christmas should really be about. It's warfare. If, if, if at, at no other time of year... We should center in on spiritual warfare. It ought to be this time. But because the world has influenced us so much, we don't, we don't focus on spiritual warfare. Maybe after Christmas when you start getting the bills <laughs> from your credit card for that money you spent that you didn't have to spend or the money you spent that you should have paid your light bill with, and now you got to go somewhere and try to find the money to pay your light bill because your children needed a bicycle more than they needed heat in the house. Maybe you'll focus on spiritual warfare then. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? If at no other time of the year, now, 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 let's go a little bit further then. So if we get the real picture of the events around the birth of Christ and the ramification of his birth, that should push every believer to do some critical things in regards to the kingdom of God and our participation in God's kingdom. So what do we need to do? We need to understand the fight, understand the ramifications of this fight, of this warfare. I think... Several months ago, I preached a message on we're in a fight. We need to understand this. So, so we look at this. We said already, Satan wanted God's throne. He wanted the glory that only belongs to God. He was deposed from heaven. He was kicked out of heaven. Satan wanted to stop Jesus from coming into the earth realm. We see this in Revelation. He couldn't stop Jesus. We see that through Herod, who was a personification of evil, Satan, he kills all the male children trying to get at Jesus from two years old and under. He had figured out Jesus must be between birth and two years old. So to make sure that I kill Jesus, let me kill all of the male children. 
This is not the first time we see male children being killed in the scriptures. With Moses, in the time of Moses, Pharaoh killed the male children. You ever wonder why he didn't kill the female children? Bishop Smith told me that he preached the other Sunday about covering your seed. And he talked about how there were some young men, um, well, maybe I shouldn't tell all of this on Facebook Live. So anyway, but he talked about covering the seed. And he was talking about covering the young men in the church. Covering our, our children. Parents, covering our children. It's not enough for me just to cover your child. You got to cover your own child. I can pray for your child. I got a seed. I got a son that I have to cover. That's my responsibility. I know that as your shepherd, I need to pray for you and intercede for you. But parents, you've got to understand that you've got to cover your own seed. Why is the devil after the seed? My brothers and my sisters. A woman will not conceive without a seed. King Herod wanted to kill the king of the Jews. If I kill the seed, kings cannot be born. Oh, let me go a little bit further with that. If I, if I stop the seed, your sons will never develop into the kings that I've ordained them to be. So if I can't kill them at birth, I will cause them to go to jail. I will cause them to be caught up in drugs and alcoholism. I will pervert their minds. And I have men walking around talking about getting pregnant by another man. And the world's saying it's all right. Destroy the seed. And women will not conceive. And it's the end of the human race. Come on, there are ramifications surrounding the birth of Christ that we've got to understand. You got to know that the devil is after your seed. So what are you going to do? You know, and, and, and so, so here we are, we're in the church, and we wrestle with people, and I'm sorry. Lord, help me today. Well, I can't get in myself, okay? I just can't get in myself, so I back off. Let me back off. Amen. So here we are in the church today. The Bible says that we should love one another. But where do we see more conflict at? The Bible says we should do all things without murmuring and complaining. And where do we murmur at? Where do we complain at? While our seed is watching everything we do. Just not in the church, but here we are believers in the church. And we're doing all kinds of things. We're not faithful to the Lord. We don't love the Lord. A lot of people come to church out of duty. After you finish partying, after you finish drinking, after you finish cussing, after you finish doing all of this other stuff, 
How are you covering your seed? How are you covering your seed? What kind of boys are you raising to marry, your, marry somebody's daughter? The devil knows that if I destroy the seed, I can destroy the human race. You ever think about it? So while we're walking around here talking about, oh, it's just so wonderful that two men and two women just love each other and they can get married. We're forgetting God's plan. It's wonderful to love. It's wonderful to love, but there are different kinds of love. God has a plan to procreate the earth. Satan has a plan to stop God's plan. And so many times we engage in Satan's plan and we forget about God's plan. And we agree with the world who can't protect the church. Who won't protect the church? Who won't protect your seed? What the church should be that, that strong body. It's praying. It's serious about God. That's every one of us. You got to understand the fight and understand the ramifications of the fight. You got to engage in the fight and you got to fight for victory. You got to fight for victory. So when I read the scripture, and, 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 and I know I'm skipping over a lot of this, but when I read the scripture and I got down to verse 10 and verse 11, and it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. This is talking about the saints of God, how they overcame the enemy. The devil has come at us. The devil is fighting against us. He's fighting against the kingdom of God and everybody in the kingdom. You can't be a part of a kingdom and war starts and you're not affected by it. Amen? Amen. You just can't be a part of the kingdom. War starts and you're not affected by it. We in our generation have never experienced war on this soil, on, on the soil of the United States of America. But other nations around the world have experienced war, right? People are affected by war, right, Pastor Lawrence? Amen. He had to go into, into exile, he had to go into another country, live in a refugee camp, affected by war, lost loved ones, affected by war, living in severe poverty, affected by war. I've always, often said, that if war comes to the United States of America, we would not be able to survive. Most of us don't have any survival skills at all. All the survival skills we got is go to McDonald's and buy a Big Mac, a Burger King, and a Whopper. So when Burger King is shut down, and you got to go and kill the cow and get it, and get the meat out and grind it up. We don't even have the grinder anymore to grind up the meat. 
don't know how to make a fire from wood. We, we would just be lost. The electricity grid shuts down. The gas shuts down. There's no more gas line, gas piping through the lines. What are we going to do? And we don't like so much stuff. We don't like greens. We don't like, so there's no more pasta and there's no more rice. <laughs> there's no more flour. What are we going to do? <laughs> we just die. Just die. But we got to know how to, how to fight. And we got to know how to fight for victory. This, this kind of, it, it says it, but it, you know, it just says it. And you got you to gotta look at it and you got to think about this. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. So if, if I'm to overcome the enemy, if I'm today to overcome this wicked one, war it has come. We're engaged in warfare. I need to know how to fight. A major part of my fight is the position where I stand. So I stand on the grounds of the blood of Jesus. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. What do you mean? First of all, I, I firmly believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's no question in my mind that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He shed his blood for me. Amen. I am saved through, the, through my faith in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. And I live under a blood covenant. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. So in my fight, I'm fighting from the standpoint of a victory that has already been won. Are you listening to me? A victory that has already been won. That's, what, that's the vantage point from which I am fighting. So every time the devil comes up against me, I am not shaking my knees and I am not scared and afraid, but I stand under the blood of Jesus Christ from a victory that has already been won. That's my position. I got faith in that. There's no doubt in my mind about that. You don't have to convince me of that anymore. But some of us need to be convinced. Some of us don't understand. I stand on the grounds of the word of my testimony. Glory to God. So as I fight, I continue to confess my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I continue to confess that I'm I'm with the price that I, that, that, I, that, that, that I don't belong to myself. And that takes me into my third point, but I'll go back there in a minute. I don't belong to myself. I belong to God. I am God's child. I am God's responsibility. That's how I fight. Being a child of God, I begin to study his word and I know his word because I understand that Satan cannot stand up against the word of God. And when I give voice to the word of God, the angels of God obey the word of God and they come on my behalf. Word of my testimony. What's your testimony? Glory to God. What's your testimony? You may be going through something right now, but what's your testimony? I'm more 
than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. I will not give up. I will not be defeated because he's already won the victory. I'm more. I'm not just a conqueror, but I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then they went on to say, and they love not their lives, even until the And this is key. This is key in this fight. This is key if you're going to get victory. Hallelujah. Yeah. We got to trust God enough. We have to trust God enough to yield up our lives to him. My life, my life, the life you're living right now, you know, enjoying family, enjoying job, got money, you know, going places, enjoying your freedom, your life. You can't love your life so much that you don't give it up for Christ. You see, even before you stand before the firing squad, you, got, you can't love your life. Before you get to the firing squad, your, you, your decision has to already be made. My life doesn't belong to me. My life belongs to the Lord. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Then he said, then he said, he who loves his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall find it or save it. So that means that I got to give my life up, my desires. This is a struggle for intelligent people. Especially folk, you've gone to school, you have hopes and dreams, you've, 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 you've planned out your life. For you to say, Lord, it's not my will, but your will be done. Give up your life. You might say those words, but you're saying, Lord, your will be done and give me the job that I want. Your will be done and give me the husband that I want. Give me the wife that I want. That I, you haven't given up your life because I am still in the picture that I want, where I want to go, what I want to do. So many times in the church today, saints, we're dealing with people that are dealing with what they want to do. The struggle for ministry today is people do not want to sacrifice. People don't want to sacrifice. I was trying to get on. Did you all see my picture on Facebook Live the other day? I was saying hello. Oh, you wonder why I said hello because I didn't know I was on Facebook Live. I thought I was trying to get on there and I was trying and I was going to talk about the sacrifice. Maybe the Lord didn't want me on there that day. I don't know. Maybe the devil didn't want me on there. Anyway, but we're living in a day and time where people are caught up in themselves. It's what I want. Where is the sacrifice for Christ and what he wants? Where is the sacrifice for ministry? Ministry means to serve, you know? So when I become a part of the body of Christ, then it's no longer my life. I understand that some things have to take, be taken care of. You have children, you know, you have family. But, but where is God's time in this? You know? And people want to blame other people 
for their own lack of faith and their own lack of commitment and loyalty. Where is the sacrifice? It's what you want to do. It's not what God was. Many times people pray and they pray, Lord, I want to know your will. But in the back of their minds, they've already made up their minds what they want God to say. And when God doesn't answer them in the way that they want God to answer them, most of the time people do what they want to do. Where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice? You know, I think about people that, that we say we love. Where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice? You say you love the Lord. Where is the sacrifice? We want things to be comfortable for us. Don't we? You go buy a new mattress when the old one gets hard because you want to be comfortable. You're right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I was in Malawi in the hotel. That bed was as hard as this floor. I woke up the next morning and my body was aching. I had to sleep another night. Woke up the next morning my, my, my toes were aching. Every part of me was aching. I said, Lord, have mercy. And these people, many of them sleep on the floor all of the time. But we want our comforts. You can't love your life. Victory comes when you've given your life already to the Lord. So if the devil says to you, deny Christ or you will die, you're already dead. You're already dead. So the only thing left is to take the physical life. Take it because this physical life need, means nothing to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? When, you, when this means so much to you that you can't give it up, you won't have victory in the spiritual warfare. You won't have victory. When the things you're doing, when the person you are means so much to you that you can't give it up for Christ, you'll never have victory. So the Bible says, that, that they loved not, they did not love their lives, or they loved not their lives even unto death. This is how they overcame the devil. And lastly, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Where do you dwell? Where do you dwell? You see, in the midst of the warfare, rejoicing is a part of it. You know, and we know, we don't wait until the battle is over. Am I talking to anybody? Is anybody still here? We don't wait until the battle is over. Our rejoicing is in the midst of what we're going through. So in the midst of the warfare, there's to be rejoicing because we know that Christ has already won the war. That's why we don't wait until the battle is over. Victory is already ours. We know the outcome. We are, we're in revelation. Hallelujah. We know the outcome. It's already ours. It's already ours. We rejoice because we're in a protected place prepared by God himself. 
Do you realize if it, we sing the song, if it wasn't for the Lord, what would I do? If it wasn't for the Lord, the devil would have killed you a long time ago? Think about the attempts on your life. Just think about the attempts on your life. Think about the car accidents you may have had. Think about sickness that, that could have taken your body. Think about all of the things that could have happened along the way. But you are in a protected place. Do you ever really stop and think? Think about stuff you've done. If it hadn't been for the Lord. Does anybody else in here know that? I know that if it hadn't been for the Lord, I wouldn't. But the Lord has protected me. Not just because of me but because of his will and I am a part of his body and a part of what he wants to do in this world. So we rejoice in the midst of the warfare. I am never going to wait until the battle is over to start shouting. I know sometimes I might get down, I might get depressed about some things, but I'm quick to get picked back up because I realize where my victory is. The Bible says, count it all joy. When you fall into divers trials, then I begin to count it joy in the midst of my trials. Don't look at me and think, oh, Bishop got it all together. Bishop don't have any problems. Sometimes y'all give me headaches. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Sometimes you make me cry when I don't want to cry, but I get it back together. Because I know where my victory lies. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes my body is racked with pain, but I push through it because I know where my victory lies. And I rejoice because I know it's in him that I live. It's in him that I move. It's in him that I have my being. I rejoice because the devil is already defeated. Hallelujah. He's already defeated. We're just going through the motions. I told you, we know the end of the story. Glory to God. He's already been kicked out of heaven. Hallelujah. But there's going to come a day and a time when he's going to be bound in that lake that burns with fire and brimstone. I know the end of the story. Rejoice. The devil is defeated. He's under my feet. Because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Hallelujah. I rejoice, glory to God. Because the day of vindication is coming. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. I said the day of vindication is coming. Yes, we're going through. Yes, we're being attacked. Yes, we're being afflicted. But the day of vindication is coming. Rejoice that though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. So sometimes when I get out of my car and my back is, is, is tight and my, my legs are hurting, glory to God, amen, because I've been sitting in one position too long, amen, I realized, glory to God, as the old people used to say, my footsteps are getting shorter. Hallelujah. My eyes are getting a little bit dim, glory to God. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. But so when my outward man is perishing, but my inward man, Hallelujah. 
It's being renewed day by day. Every day I live, I get new strength. Every day I live, I get new grace. Every day I live, I get new power. Because my inward man, glory to God, hallelujah, hallelujah. My outer man may be getting weak, but my inner man is getting stronger. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So the real picture, let me go ahead and close this out. The real picture about this season, about the birth of Christ, and everything that surrounds the birth of Christ is that this is a warfare. It's a picture of a warfare. It's a picture of evil attempting to destroy God's plan and destroy our Savior and destroy God's people. It is a picture of divine protection. It is a picture of triumph. It is a picture of victory. Hallelujah. And it's a picture of celebration and rejoicing over the victory that we've obtained through our God, through our Lord, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't let the world lull you into spiritual, into a spiritual coma. Don't let the world take this away from you. If at any time of the year that we ought to know that we're in spiritual warfare. It's this time of the year. That's why it's a time of preparation. Jesus is coming again. He's coming to receive his own unto himself. And we have to be alert, saints. We got to teach our children to be alert. We got to teach our children to be aware. The devil will take any opportunity he can to make you miss what God is doing. So as much as we sing about joy to the world, the Lord has come, how many people in the church really understand that the Lord came through great trial, through the attempt of the enemy to destroy him, to stop him, and how many people really value their salvation? You know, sometimes we do things for people when we realize they've done a lot for us. Parents, children do things for their parents because parents have sacrificed so much for them. How much are you willing to do for God because he sacrificed for you? I love my dad and my mama, but God did more for me. God did more. You see, dad and mama couldn't die for me. They couldn't save me. Jesus died for me. Jesus saved me. God raised him from the dead so I could have eternal life. Mom and daddy, that death couldn't save me. And in that resurrection, they can't give me eternal life. But Jesus did. How much are you willing to do 
You know, that, that's what really understands you. The more, the more you get of the scriptures, the more you ought to be appreciative of what God has done. And it's not enough to say thank you. It's not enough. It's not enough to come and give your tithes. Not enough to come once a week or once every two weeks. It's just not enough. It's just not enough. When the Lord gave you all and he's given you victory, he's given you victory. You know, sometimes in the messages that the Lord has given me, I understand that there's some challenges that go out to people about salvation and eternal life. And I'm not saying this to make you any slacker than some of you already are. I'm not saying it to be funny either. But I want you to understand something. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, Satan can't pluck you out of God's hand. There are people who will make it into heaven solely, all of us will make it solely on, the, on, on, on our faith in Christ. But some of us have strived to live holy. Some of us have strived and sacrificed for the kingdom, given ourselves in the kingdom. Some people will make it in only because they believe. Because there's an unchangeable covenant that has been made and they're covered under the blood of Jesus. Some people will. I made up my mind a long time ago that I didn't want to be one of those that slid in. After I gave my life to Jesus, I wanted to be a part of the Lord's work. I wanted to be a part of what God is doing. I never in my life, from the time that I gave my life to Christ and joined the church, have I ever been a pew member. I don't care what church I've been a part of, I engaged. Because I wanted to learn. And I wanted to get, God has given me so much. So much. I could take all week long telling you about the things that God has done in my life. So I can't come into the house of the Lord and sit. I'm not speaking negatively about anybody. I'm just talking now. So don't get offended. No. I, I, I got to be engaged because of what God has done. Because of what God has done. I got to make this sacrifice. Is it easy? No. Was it easy for Jesus to die? The Bible says he cried. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So sometimes, you know, as I try to understand people, I don't understand how God could be so good to you. 
and you just come and tip God. I, I, don't, I don't see it. But that's a part of the warfare. And I know that the devil is waging war against the church. And he's finding any little way he can to separate you. He finds little ways to separate us, saints. But do you pay attention? I can preach all day long. That person is not your enemy. Your husband, your wife is not your enemy. Satan is your enemy. But then you'll get into a spat and you're mad at a person when you ought to be angry with the devil. And fighting against the devil so that we stay unified. We remain one body in Jesus Christ. Where everybody is important. I can't say to my hand, I don't need you. I got two hands, I don't need this one. Cut this one off. I got ten fingers, I don't need this thumb. Cut it off. No. It's warfare. It's warfare. So prayerfully, as we think about this, it'll put the image in our mind of the warfare that we're engaged in. And what we need to do if we're to walk in victory. And the rejoicing that we should have in our lives, and as we come together on Sundays, that'll be great rejoicing because the victory has already been won. Let's stand.